Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to This Is Your Journey with Sam Edmund. For Tobin Brothers Funerals, visit tobinbrothers.com.au. Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. Hello everybody and welcome to the show. It's made possible by our friends at Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. Today we're joined by a man who played 21 tests and 15 one days for Australia. Victorian quick James Pattinson burst onto the scene as a youngster. His pace matched by an aggression that would see him go on to claim five wickets in an innings on four occasions at the highest level. His retirement from the international game 12 months ago and more recently the domestic scene came as something of a shock but for one of the most exciting prospects in Aussie cricket those well documented injuries did take their toll. However, James is about to embark on a new adventure. James Pattinson, welcome. Thanks for your time. Yeah, thanks for having me on. So I hear Dovton Footy Club's got a big name recruit. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, I suppose something that I always wanted to do after I finished playing cricket. Um, I've got a lot of mates that I've stuck strong with from from junior football and stuff, and they're all still playing at Dovton. So I was something that I really wanted to do while the body would probably still be able. To. I don't know how it's going to go, but I might be one game on and six games off at this stage. But um, nah, it's something that, that, that I'm looking forward to. It's a different challenge, obviously been I think about 16 years since I played my last game of football so I think there was definitely a bit of rust going around. Yeah well we're speaking about your body and you're sitting there with your arm in a sling so pre-season's not <laughs> off to a, a fast start shall we say? No nah, that's it I um I was saying to the boys what would what, what you get done to your wrist and I said oh, I've got a titanium um, plate put in there so I can so I can punch the ball um, have the golden fist can come back so uh, I, I hope I actually just spoke to the coach uh, last week and he said that they need a full forward so maybe they might be uh, bringing me forward instead. Now you're going to need your arm as well for forget the footy but I'll a little birdie told me you bought a boat here. I'm not sure if it's a fishing boat, but you're going to need that to cast out, aren't you? Yeah, I've got a new boat. I've always been big into um, getting out on the water ever since I was a little kid. I used to go out with mates and stuff. And yeah, it was sort of a dream once I retired to, to get a nice boat and, and be able to go out there and um, really enjoy it with the family. So took uh, took delivery of that a couple of weeks ago and um, three nights we slept out on the boat. So my little little girl loved it. We actually gone from um, gone from Brighton down to Blairgarry on the boat. It was last Friday and it was just beautiful. It was flat and there was about six um, dolphins that came up and were jumping next up out of the boat. And my daughter was just so happy. Like the smile on her face was was amazing. She um, she uh, loved it. So that's little Lila, Elsie as well, I think, and, and your wife Kayla. So all four of you out there on the on the water. Just some great family memories yeah definitely yeah i remember the first time i ever took kayla out it was quite choppy and um was sort of going across the, the bay at western port there and sort of loving it and i look around and she's in tears <laughs> <laughs> so i was like oh no it's not gonna go well and she never went on the boat with me again i had to upgrade and get a little bit bigger boat so it would be a bit more stable and um yeah she she liked it this time but it is great isn't it that you know elsie lila they have great childhood memories forever much like you did when you were as a kid because we mentioned the doveton footy club earlier that that was a big part of your childhood wasn't it yeah it was massive yeah, obviously having an older brother who played cricket there and football, and my dad was heavily involved in there from an administration point of view. He was president, and I basically yeah be there every Saturday morning playing 
either footy or cricket and then spend the whole day there with mates and, and the whole whole night there just roaming the streets of Duffton while dad was at the bar drinking. So <laughs> yep. so it sort of probably probably made me a bit tough some of the sights I saw um down down there walking the streets of Duffton at, at eleven o'clock at night. It's probably at the time when you're a kid you don't realise that but you wouldn't you wouldn't be doing it now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, different. So were you one of those kids that were there, you're in the scoreboard, you're in the canine, you're walking around with your can of Coke, you just basically lived at the club? Yeah, pretty much. I was that little kid that annoyed everyone. I did the stats for the senior football team for probably three or four years uh, when I was about 14, 15, around about there. Um, and then I started playing for Dufton um, when I was 16 in the, in the under-18 competition. Played a couple of years there and then pretty much I, I was at Haleybury at the time on an academic scholarship. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's definitely a sporting scholarship, uh, but um, I was at Haleybury, so then I sort of um, played a little bit of football there and cricket with a couple of really good mates. Tom Lynch, who played Adelaide now, coaching North Melbourne. He, he's my best mate, and I went to school with him, and his dad was the, the coach of the cricket team and, and the football team when I was there. Pretty much, I got I got a contract when I was about 16 with Victoria, and Greg Shippard stopped me from playing footy, so he said, you're not allowed to play anymore, and I was human, so that was the only reason I was at school, so I ended up leaving halfway through year 11 or 12. <laughs> And um, and go on a train with Victoria because Andy Collins, who was the um, he was our um, welfare manager, who's the um, coach of Coburg football. I think everyone sort of knows who he is. He always came into the gym about two o'clock, and I'd left school already and and gone into the gym because I was just that adamant about getting big and training in the gym and stuff that I would be wagging school and he'd come in, tell me to get back to school. So. When I wasn't allowed to play football, I thought, I'll stuff this, I'll go in there and just do gym and, and finish school at, at TAFE. So that's what I did. So your progression with cricket, as you mentioned, the, you know, you're 16, is quite sharp. It's quite fast. Picking it up for the first time sounds like it's a natural thing because your dad's involved and your brother's playing and whatnot. But was it a, a natural talent for you straight away? I mean, obviously, you're working hard as you detail at the same time. But did you realise pretty early on that you just had a, a natural gift if you like for bowling quick um not really it wasn't probably until i was about 16 so all through my juniors i was more of a batter i opened the batting and faced about 100 balls for 20 like you retire <laughs> at 20 back then so yeah i remember i made my debut with dustin when i was six in the under 12 and I, I couldn't even bowl the ball like i was still chucking it so I, they didn't bowl me and then i batted like probably 10 i, I made four runs for the whole year and had about seven ducks um that, that was pretty good and then and I just gradually sort of got better and better. And, you know, up until even under 15s, there was like the, the regions, regional teams and everything like that. I played as a batsman. I didn't really bowl much. And then when I was 15, I sort of went down to Danyong and playing. I was playing in the fourth as a bit of a batter. And then um, I was just bowling one day at training and Cameron White was there. And um, he said, I was bowling to him. And he's like, oh, you actually you actually bowl pretty well. Like they're coming out good. Um, why don't you try a proper run up and all that sort of thing? So I did that. And then I just became a bowler since that day. I sort of... Grew, grew a little bit and came natural and from then I sort of my batting took a backward step and my bowling sort of um, took over. Isn't it amazing to think these little sliding door moments that become big things? I mean it, it, it obviously we know and remember you as a, a prolific and promising bowler and, and yet it started off totally different if not for a, a net session with Cam White if it was Joe White at the other end who wouldn't have ever said that who knows what could have happened? Yeah exactly um, I sort of always I enjoyed batting better than bowling but only because I was better at it. But then once I sort of realised I could bowl a bit quick and scare some people, I was like, oh, yeah, this is good fun. Yes. <laughs> and so from on then, I think, you know, I played two more games in the fours, a couple games in the threes at Dandenong, I reckon maybe three games in the twos, and then I was in the ones. So it came on pretty quick. I reckon there was probably six or seven games between me playing as a as a batter um, and playing as a bowler in the, in the ones. So, yeah, it was pretty crazy. And then I think the next year I was, or two years later, I was playing state cricket for Victoria. So it happened pretty quickly, yeah. 
Well, I want to come back to that scaring people aspect that you raised uh, after this break. You're listening to This Is Your Journey. Thanks to Tobin Brothers. They're a family-owned business. They have been since 1934. We'll revisit James Pattinson rise through the cricket ranks after this. You're listening to This Is Your Journey with Sam Edmund. For Tobin Brothers Funerals, visit tobinbrothers.com.au. Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. You're listening to This Is Your Journey with Sam Edmund. For Tobin Brothers Funerals, visit tobinbrothers.com.au. Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. Hello, it's great to have your company on This Is Your Journey. It's made possible by Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. We're chatting to former Aussie quick James Pattinson. So, JP, just before the break, the discovery of fast bowling. As a youngster, what excited you about it? When you knew you had a bit of ability, was it just the need for speed? Was it scaring people, like you said? Was it intimidation? Was it being able to dictate, you know, what was going to happen on on the wicket for for any given batsman? What actually got those motivation levels up when it came to to taking the ball? I obviously was a lover of cricket, so I watched a lot of cricket. Brett Lee and all the fast bowls and stuff and I always just wished that I could do that and, and bowl fast and maybe one day and then once I once I sort of realised that I might be able to do that I just got I suppose I got excited and um, to be able to sort of you know I think that the big thing is like my biggest thing was when you know you, you're bowling fast sometimes it doesn't feel like it is but you get other people saying geez that's fast sort of thing and you, you sort of you can tell the batters are jumping around a bit and you know making it uncomfortable and I think the good thing is it, when you can bowl fast it, it brings the whole field in like it brings everyone um, together and you know, there's a couple of times where I bowled there and you know was bowling you know 150s and stuff like that and you could just tell that you know the whole field and, and all that sort of thing were just you know in in the game and you know being able to obviously bowl you know at 150 at times was something pretty special because is, you know, it's, it's a hard thing to do and probably more harder to do more consistently. But just to have that feeling of the ball hitting the gloves like and watching it go through, it's, it's pretty special, especially when there's, there's a few nicks that, you know, I remember getting Brendan McCullum out my first test match, caught off the top splice of his bat and it flew to Ricky Ponting, it slipped. And like they're just the things that you dream of. You know, I, I've probably watched that more times now since I've retired than I did when I was playing. Just to see, like, Punner, he was, like, hands up, you know, how he normally catches the ball, like, he's down crouched and just hit his hands so hard, he's just like, oh, wow, that's so good. <laughs> that's almost, like, the, the, the things you dream of as a fast bowler. I guess the bluff and bluster of it all, if, if you like, the, the art of intimidation, was that something that was naturally new, that competitive spirit? To be honest, I had no control of what I did on the field. It's sort of, <laughs> I think I just get in the zone. Um, Instinct. And I think that's probably, probably why I've, I've sort of, you know, Know, been able to come back from setbacks I think because that you know that challenge and, and being able to get into the game and, and the will to win that's probably the biggest thing like you know through a game there's so many different emotions that go through your head and when you're playing test match cricket people don't realize but you, you're on the whole time and even though when you when you're in the sheds and you're watching the bat and they're falling you're riding every every emotion you know we're going to lose this game what are people going to say you know what all this sort of thing and, and it's just there's so many different emotions go through your head so when you're out there and you just want to win so badly sometimes you do things that you just you just can't control it just comes out and and for me i think it's always been that you know that hunger to do well and win i suppose you know having tasted success being in a in a victorian team who was so successful coming in and i spoke about it the other day like um you had the likes of cameron white you got brad hodge andrew mcdonald dave hussey you know shane harwood dirk nanis all those guys who have, you got sids clint mckay who were, who were in the team when i was there you know you just got no better better people to learn off than them and i think you know they were really i suppose encouraging of the way i played cricket so they always told me just to you know give give everything you've got and and i t- sort of did that with training as well when i bowled at training i wanted to scare people and that sort of thing 
can probably contribute to a few of my injuries as well because you know there was times there where, where I knew I had stress fractures in my back and I just kept playing and making them worse because I didn't really want to stop playing so that was the hardest part just was quite good at getting through pain and, and bowling through pain that it probably was my downfall in the end. Just coming back to the mental side of it that fire and brimstone I mean so did you have a license just to let your spirit fly I mean were you ever conscious of curbing it I mean obviously there's there's a, the Dan Hughes incident of last year of course that you, you cop the fine and the suspension I'm not sure how you reflect on that I mean there's always going to be moments where almost like an AFL player you know you're you're on the edge all the time that's what makes you good but there's always the risk of potentially going over it. I think there's a couple of people have spoken to I worked a, a bit with um, passing the bowling coach Kevin Shine over in England and he said he said to me you feel like a feel like a player that's probably you know come on 20 years too late in terms of the way you play cricket so, yeah. Yeah. Um, so it would have been good back in the days where you have know, Dennis Lilly kicking the stumps over and all that sort of thing and, and everyone thought it was great. I suppose then nowadays you know you get a lot of criticism for the way you act and stuff like that and I never really took too much notice about it you know I, I admit probably sometimes you know it doesn't look good but just the way that you sort of get into the game I think for me it's just that winning and you know every time you, you feel like you're either getting hit for a four or the batsman's getting on top of you it just makes me really frustrated I think that's the way I am like I don't really you know, accept sort of like you know getting getting beaten really like it's hard to accept it so you know you're trying everything possible in terms of you know and I think most of the time I was pretty good I, you know I had teammates who speak speak to me and say like you know love playing with you and, and all that sort of thing and you know you really bring the bring the group around and that sort of mm. stuff I suppose at times yeah and then other times you know probably a little bit you know too far let's rewind for a sec I suppose we, we often talk about those moments of validation on an athlete's journey any athlete's journey so in only your third 50 over game for the Vicks Against New South Wales, you take six for 48. In a loss, mind you, as well. But I think you take the first six wickets to fall in this game in December of 2009. You're still in your teens. Your figures were the best ever by Victorian in domestic limited overs cricket. And you broke a 40-year-old record um, set by Graham Watson, of course. So I think Josh Hazelwood might have been your under-19 made unplayable in this same game as well. But was this a key moment for you to think, hang on, I mean, I'm on the right path anyway, but this is a real moment of validation. I can really kick on here. Do you remember? I think so, Especially in one day career, I think I'd played the Shield game before that and uh, did well in a Shield game. So yeah, I remember Josh, he opened the ball. I think he bowled 10 over straight for about 19 in that game. I <laughs> yeah. uh, got Hodgie out with a ripper and Hodgie... Um Abused up, abused up the Sydney change rings, I think. So, <laughs> but um, yeah, no, it was it was a um, it was one of those those games where it's sort of like we we got bowled out pretty cheaply, and you know they had a really good team. They had obviously Dave Warner and all those people at the, start, at the top of the order, even though they were young. Uh, Usman Khawaja was playing; he was young, and yeah, I don't know. It was one of those things. I bowled a wide half volley early and got caught at point, and then and everything else just sort of like go to plan. I think I nicked off Steve Smith's first ball and and that sort of thing, and. I don't know, it was just one of those one of those games um, where everything just sort of, they nicked the ball and they went to fielders. Um, mm. un- unfortunately, we didn't win. But yeah, it was probably that, that moment where I just thought, you know, I can succeed at this level. Yeah, for sure. Gee, there was some talent on the on the pitch. I think Mitch Stark, he was playing, he took three for, I think he got his current coach out too. I think he got, I think he got Ronnie out that day as well. It's funny how the world works. So your ODI debut comes before your test debut. But despite being in the Australian underage setup, what, what was that 2011 tour to Bangladesh like with the senior side? You know, on the road, a young prospect. How, how eye-opening was that? Do you, do you readily recall that tour? Um, yeah, I do actually. Um, I was actually, I flew out to the IPL. I got picked up in, with Kolkata in the IPL that year. So I was already over there. And I think it was, might have been Sean Tate, might have retired from one day cricket. So I got called in for him to play over in Bangladesh. I flew from, I was already in India, so I flew over there. And <clears throat> I sort of never been never been to Bangladesh before. And I remember asking the um, the driver who picked me up, I'm like, oh, how long to the hotel? He said, um, oh, it's just around the corner. So I'm thinking, oh, this would be good. I sit in the car, it's been two hours. I said, how long? He's like, oh, just around the corner. So in the end, it was 
10 minutes, supposed to be a 10 minute drive that took three and a half hours <laughs> to get to the hotel because of the traffic there. And I was just like, this is crazy. Like there were just so many people around. Um, wow. It's sort of my first experience of being in, in a country that just loves cricket so much and all that sort of thing. So yeah, that was, that was pretty amazing. And then, you know, just to walk into the, the hotel and there's obviously, you know, Ricky Ponting and Michael Clark and all those guys there that you've, you've idolized during your career um, to be in the same dressing room as them. And we won the series two nil. So they decided to give me a game and um, you know, it was pretty special. It was really good. It was, it was tough conditions over there. It's really hot and stuff, but it was just um, a dream come true really and something that happened really quick and, and probably didn't really reflect on it until um, later on but that year was sort of probably my, my most excitable enjoyable year in terms of cricket I managed you know after that tour uh, we went to the tour of Sri Lanka um, one day and, and test there played one day and then I actually got dropped from the test series for um, South Africa which I was a bit upset about because I think they picked Trent Copeland or someone like that over in South Africa and I thought I was bowling really well in the one days and stuff over there. And so they tell me to, to go back and play some shield cricket, which I did. And, and probably in the end, it was probably the best thing because I, I got three or four shield games leading into my, my debut in Brisbane. And, and I probably was, was at my peak then, like in terms of how many games of cricket I played and, and the confidence and stuff. So, you know, I wasn't surprised that I, I got, the, got the nod and did okay in that game because my leading and preparation was really good. You with This Is Your Journey. It's brought to you by Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. You can find them online, of course, at tobinbrothers.com.au. Well, James Pattinson is about to become a household name. That head-turning 2011 home test series against New Zealand is up. You're listening to This Is Your Journey with Sam Edmund. For Tobin Brothers Funerals, visit tobinbrothers.com.au. Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. You're listening to This Is Your Journey with Sam Edmund. For Tobin Brothers Funerals, visit tobinbrothers.com.au. Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. Hello, we hope you're enjoying this week's edition of This Is Your Journey. Today's guest is former Test ODI, BBL, IPL and Victorian fast bowler James Pattinson. So, uh, James, December 2011, the Gabba. New Zealand, first test. You, David Warner, Mitch Stark, you're all on debut in Michael Clark's team. Let's go to day four of this game. Now, New Zealand are about 120 behind, I think, in their second dig. When you catch fire in the first hour of play, you finish with second innings figures of 5 for 27 after 164 in, in the first dig. You name man of the match in your first test. Now, this, this is... This is setting a pretty high bar. I suppose the, the good thing was was at the Gabba. I, I remember playing, I played at the Gabba probably, I think it was not long before that and did really well. So it was one of those grounds where I had a bit of confidence. So I thought, oh, you know, after the just shaky first start, it was sort of, you know, sometimes at the Gabba, the wicket can be quite soft and you slip around. So the first the first innings, I was sort of a bit shaky. And then, you know, it's amazing because I, I remember speaking to Punner and he was saying about my, my second, my second um, innings record is, is far superior to my first inning. So I thought, oh, I'm just going to go out here and, and try and really change the game and, and try and steam in. And, and I remember getting a wicket the night before of McCullum. Uh, Brendan McCullum on strike to James Paddington. Makes him play. Got him! Got him! The other strike. Couldn't have gone better for them. That's a very good delivery from Paddington. And once again, that bounce, the extra bounce. That ball really flying high to uh, Ricky Ponting. It was well taken. Um, caught Ponting, the one I was speaking about before. That just gave me so much confidence the next day. I'm, 
I had a few mates there from Dustin who came up and watched and we went out for dinner and as I was leaving I sort of said to him I'll get ready I'll take five for tomorrow so there was a bit of um bit of uh <laughs> I love it. bit of confidence from a, from a young 21 year old but um yeah the next day I sort of came in and it felt really confident it was a nice feel to it you know got a wicket and, and it all just went from there I remember at one stage I looked around I didn't even have a mid off and a mid on I had that five slips in place in the gully and, and I was playing test cricket and I think that's when it really just sunk in that I was out there and um it was just a whole different ball game I know from the first day um, day the first over went for about 12 I think off Brendan McCullum and then you know it's amazing how times change I, was, I, was, I think I had five for about 12 or something like that at some stage so yeah it was just it was one of those, to- one of those times in your, in your life where you just pinch yourself uh, it was just amazing and then you know obviously from then it, it went on uh, we played I think we went down to Hobart and yep. pretty big big game down there and I think I got might have got five for again that game so it was all it was all going to plan it was an amazing feeling it was really surreal to be honest I remember you know having to do a media the next day at six o'clock in the morning and there were all these cameras out there and waiting for me to talk and I'm like I'm just a little a young boy from Dustin who never really thought about anything like this and I you know I'm on the news and all that sort of thing um, so it was pretty pretty amazing yeah I love it that you've taken the five for at the Gabba though and you've had that moment where it's hit you holy crap I'm I'm a test bowler and I'm taking five for it and I've got five in the slips and yet you weren't satisfied so you went on with it you took the 551 in Hobart you were named man of the series so 14 wickets and an average of 14 across the two tests so I mean these are just great days the the world you must have felt like the world was at your feet at this point you know one of the good things about cricket it keeps you grounded um, you know we had a test series against India coming up so that was in the back of my mind you know they had the, they had well if not the best batting lineup I've, I've ever seen really I think they had you, know, you could probably go through it but I don't think they had Saywag, they had Gambia, they had Dravid, Tendulkar, Laxman, Dhoni and and Coley all in the one team. So mm. you know, my, my attention soon changed to that. I was sort of thinking, geez, how, you know, I've done well against New Zealand, but how, how am I going to go against players like this? Yeah, that was probably the biggest thing. A Boxing Day test against India, you know, that was something pretty special and something that I was just like um, pretty much in awe of. But at the same time, you have those those thoughts going through your head of, you know, how, how am I going to go? You know, I've competed against New Zealand, but playing against this team is a whole new different level. So um, that was that excitement around that. Yeah, I imagine being a Victorian and performing on Boxing Day as you did in 20. 20- 11, there wouldn't be many things better. So match figures of 6 for 108, 55 runs without losing your wicket. You're man of the match in that one as well. So you're absolutely on fire here. 4 for 43 in the second test. But injured for test 3 and 4 in this series. So 11 wickets at, at, at 23. And then the injury... Was this when the injury started or was this just a little niggle at this point? Um, so, I, so I had a stress in my foot. So I, could, I actually felt it. I remember we sort of were... Not struggling, but we were, we were. I think it was day four, and we we're trying to bowl India out at the SCG. And I remember running in, and I just felt my foot. I'm like, and I've had one before, and I was like, oh no! Like I just knew straight away, and my heart just sank. I, I thought, you know, I'm in such a great position here. I'm I'm playing my fourth Test match. I'm doing really well. You know, there's still two Test matches left in this series, and I think I've like I've, I'm pretty sure I've broken my foot here. So um, I managed to, to sort of bowl through it, and we won that Test match. So we'd, we'd gone two 0 up, and it was it was quite like it was obviously great, but I knew deep down that there was there was something not right, and I thought I was going to be out for the rest of the series so now me being me I sort of thought well let's, let's just try and you know maybe disguise it and, and not and not get away with it but then you know I knew from the past with them if they do break you can hardly walk on them so I didn't really want to do that halfway through a test match so I sort of said to the physio I think you know I think there's something on with my foot literally about an hour after we finished the game I went out across the road to the Sydney Olympic to get a scan on my foot and I had a um had a stress fracture in my foot so as soon as they said that I was 
pretty devastated. I think I ended up crying pretty much the whole night, I think, because I was sort of just, you know, in such a great place, you know, gone onto the scene, you know, something you've worked so long for and then obviously to be taken away from me. I knew it was obviously not going to be forever, but, you know, at that time where, where I was like, you know, bowling the best I've sort of ever bowled, um, you know, you're in such a great position in the team and that sort of thing. It's almost, you know, getting injured is almost like being dropped from the team and obviously allows someone else to come in and, and then, you know, not just that, but to get back to, to where you are there, it, it's so hard, you know, you, you train and stuff and, you know, you can, you play so much and it takes a while for you actually to, to get into such a great spot. So for me, I knew that there was going to be obviously a tough time ahead getting back and, and trying to find that form that I was in. You played India on the road. The 2013 Tour of India, so eventful. I, I guess from a team perspective, she was a real slog. I think a four-zip series defeat over there. But you started well, five for 96, I think, in Chennai. But I really want to ask you about something that listeners might have heard a bit over time, and that is the so-called homework gate saga, the incident that then-coach Mickey Arthur later admitted he might have got wrong. That was yourself, Shane Watson, Mitchell Johnson, Usman Khawaja. Incredible to think now, banned for a test for not providing a, a written submission on ways your performance could be improved to help the team. I'm sure you wouldn't have been asked about this many times over, over the journey, James. Uh, a few times. I haven't really said too much about it. Yeah, it was one of those weird ones. It, it probably You couldn't probably ask for a worse tour, to be honest. We um, got flogged in every game. Mm. Off-field was, was horrendous. And we'd sort of just lost, like, um, you know, I think uh, we'd lost Huss had just retired. Maybe Justin Langer wasn't over there. Mickey Arthur was coach. And we'd sort of lost so much experience. Hunter as well. He, was, he wasn't there as well. So for an inexperienced team in India to play over there is, is, is extremely hard. Yeah, I suppose it, it was disappointing. Like, I, I felt like I was going really well over there. I, you know, I got five in the first game and then a couple in the second game. And, um, you know, Nate Lyon just came onto the scene there. So he was finding it difficult against, you know, their batters and stuff. And you know, I think we had a day in Hyderabad where Mirali Vijay and Pujara batted the whole day and we didn't get a wicket. And it was just one of those feelings where you're just so flat. You know, we just had a bit of a meeting after the game and it was, and Mickey wanted people just to, to come to the next training session with three things they could improve on. Somehow it got mistaken that it had to be in before, like written in before the the training session and all this sort of thing and you know I sort of didn't really think think much of it I sort of thought yep we'll go to training we'll have a meeting and we'll all say our sort of three things and then I was actually just sitting in my, my hotel room and I got a phone call from the team manager Gavin Dovey saying can you come to the uh the team room we need to meet with the ASAP and I'm like thinking oh what's going on here something happened to one of my family or you know what have I done I'm trying to think of all the things under the sun that I could have done I'm like oh no what, what's going on so I get there and everyone's sort of in there and I actually walked past <laughs> I walked past Shane Watson <laughs> He was effing and swearing and going off his head. And I'm like, oh, geez, what's going on here? So and this can't be good. So I was in next. I walked in there and they sort of just said to me, you haven't, you know, you haven't done this. And I was sort of shocked because I didn't really realize it. I thought it was just, you know, we had to sort of say at the next training session and all this sort of thing. And, and I was like, well, okay, well, I was only 21 or 22 at the time. So I didn't really kick up too much of a fuss. I was just sort of shocked. Like, I'm like, oh, well, I was going really well and not allowed to play in this test match and, and that sort of thing. And um, it was kind of, kind of bizarre because like I sort of sort of said that there's four other people who in the same boat and in the team you know, you've only got 15 people so it's almost a third of the team so it's sort of like it, it makes it out to be how it wasn't communicated like if it was one person who just couldn't be bothered doing it, it's probably different but there was four people so it was just that communication wasn't there and then you know you hear stories of you know them trying to there was uh, one person in the team who who didn't want uh, Mickey, Mickey Arthur wanted to actually send a text out to remind the people it didn't happen and there was one person in the team that, that said that they should they should um, you know know that they have to get it in so don't tell them and all this sort of thing so that wasn't very good from that person but I probably won't name names it was it was a bit of a <laughs> it was a bit of a shambles to be honest you know and then Shane Watson he went home um, for the birth of his kid and then came back the next the next day and uh, sorry the next week and was captain of the team so <laughs> 
<laughs> it was, um, mate, it was just one of those, those things where you just sort of uh, shake your head and think, well, what the hell is going on here? The biggest thing was we had a sort of an Ashes series coming up as well. And we were having meetings. Like, we, it was a game, there was a day before the Mahali game, the one that was suspended. We pretty much got to the ground it was raining so we went back and then we had like a cultural meeting like the day of a game and it was just crazy mate like it was just one of those times where i'm sure if everyone had their time again it would have been done differently yeah well mickey has you know since said obviously he regretted the the banning component almost like the the punishment didn't quite fit the crime but he did maintain i think he does maintain that some sort of culture reset was needed to address i think he what he what he termed at the time to be poor discipline or real discipline i mean do you subscribe to that theory I just think when you're losing, it just gets you get under the microscope a lot more. I know, you know, I've been around long enough to know that when you're winning, you don't have any meetings, and when you're losing, you have meetings every two hours. So, yeah, yeah I think it's just the, the nature of the the beast, really, in terms of you know playing cricket for Australia. If you're losing, this you have to be done, and it, they have, they have to, meetings have to be done, and you have to be seen to be, be doing something um, about it. You know, I think in, sometimes too, the expectations are, are really high. I think you know, for us as a young team over there to go over and beat India in Indian conditions, you know, we probably we should have played a bit better but to win you know it was always going to be a tough ask you know the expectations are always really high being the Australian cricket team so you know if you don't meet meet those standards then you know you get looked upon and, and things need to change so that was what they thought was necessary <laughs> at the time but um yeah, look, it was it was one of those things where you look back on it. I couldn't really believe it. There was so much talk within the team, like just about what's going on and that sort of thing. It just made it even worse. You're right, though. It's a hotbed for for criticism, for critiquing, for pro- for whatever it might be. Like we're seeing with the Australian cricket team at the moment, even they're winning out on the pitch, and yet we've got all manner of controversy with former coaches and whoever's sponsoring the team and what the captain's saying, and it, it just goes on and on. I suppose that was the hardest thing to me. Like for me, I just wanted to go out and play cricket, and when I got to professional level, like for the first little bit, it was fine because I had there was no expectation and I just thought no, you're just playing cricket but then you know, once you sort of slowly realise that there's more politics in the game than, than you think and what you think there should be I think I'm just a pretty simple guy who loves to go out and play cricket and, and all that sort of thing so I didn't really understand all that stuff to be honest and probably still don't I try not to get, get caught up too much in that stuff and read too much things and, and obviously I'm close with Pat, Pat Cummings and reading some of the stuff that the people say about him is I don't know it's just it, it makes your blood boil sometimes just knowing that you know what a great person he is and what he's been through you know he's been through so much with his back and, and all that sort of thing and getting back to captaining Australia you know it's something pretty special and I think we lose we lose um, focus of those those good things and sometimes tend to tend to look at the negatives um, a lot where you know obviously between Justin and all this sort of thing you know has gone on I think we like to to try and blow things up a little bit too much sometimes but for me I always was just like you know I just want to go out there and play cricket and I'm not worried about all the other the bull crap that goes on about it. So um, for me, it was pretty simple. We're talking to James Pattinson on This Is Your Journey. It's thanks to Tobin Brothers Funerals celebrating lives. We'll be right back with James after this. You're listening to This Is Your Journey with Sam Edmund. For Tobin Brothers Funerals, visit tobinbrothers.com.au. Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. You're listening to This Is Your Journey with Sam Edmund. For Tobin Brothers Funerals, visit tobinbrothers.com.au. Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. It's been great to have your company here on This Is Your Journey. Thanks to Tobin Brothers Funerals, a family-owned business since 1934, and former Aussie cricketer James Pattinson has been our guest today. So, James, you fought two battles, in major battles in your career. I mean, the one you're expected to face up against the best batsman in the world, of course, that's expected, but also the one you're unlucky to have to face, and that was the unrelenting one against injuries. And, and I guess the most concerning one from the outside looking in was those repeated stress fractures in, in the lower back. Yeah, that was obviously the most frustrating thing. To be honest, 
honest, it was probably the main injury I really had. Like, I've never really had shoulders or anything like that. To keep doing that was pretty frustrating. I know it was 2013, Ashes over there, and I was in such a really good place. I'd, I'd sort of, I'd given up drinking, got myself really fit after that India series that we spoke about before. And I was probably the fittest I've ever been. I was about 85 kilos and feeling really good. And I was just, I was open to bowling too. And Darren Lehman just came on as coach. So it was sort of like a refreshing sort of thing that's come on. And I was in charge of all the fines. And I was sort of getting a little bit, I suppose, in terms of being more of a senior sort of player in the team. And, you know, I was you know, getting more in towards the, the leadership stuff and, and getting really involved in that in the, with the place I was in and stuff like that. So that series to me, it was build up to it was really exciting. You know, and then the first test match that one in, Not- in Nottingham where it went down to the wire, I think me and Hads were batting at the end and we almost won. Like, you know, and, and Brody obviously nicked that ball to slip and if he didn't, if he walked or that was given out, it probably would have been a different story. Agar got 90-odd. We were pretty much given no, no chance in that series. Um, and to come so close in that first first test match was, was something special. You know, for me being, a, I think I was 22 at the stage and, and opening the bowling for Australia and being the lead bowler, you know, I was sort of on top of the world and I felt really good. And then the next test match at, at Lord, you know, I'd bowled a fair bit. We, we, weren't, we weren't playing too well. And I just felt my, my back, a bit of a niggle in my back and sort of kept bowling. And then it got worse and worse. And because I've had them before, I sort of knew straight away. I'm like, oh, this is, this is not good like this is this is going to be terrible but I kept bowling and and managed to, to sort of get through um, they declared I think and we'll bang at the end and pretty much the next morning I woke up and I couldn't walk at all hardly um, and I knew then it was going to be bad news I thought I had a I've had stress fractures when I was 17 and 18 bilateral at, at, at level three and five pretty much the only they were, they're called a non-union so what happens with a non-union is they they don't heal they sort of heal with a bony scar tissue which is not ideal because you still have that movement in there and your you strength in that bone area is not 100% for me I knew that I only had sort of L4 left at the time where you know and I was sort of thinking to myself please don't be the L4 like if it's the L4 I'm going to struggle here and so we went down to London middle of London after the test match and got a scan and, and obviously the news came back and it was, was that L4 had, had gone um, both sides so pretty much I was left with stress fractures from L3, L4, L5 bilateral and pretty much like you know it was probably the worst case. Stuck around with the team for a little bit, went back home and tried to get my head around things and this was 2023 and, and how I was going to sort of best approach it with the, with all the um, fitness staff and the physios and, and all that sort of thing and then so I pretty much you know got home had a scan, rest up and they put me on these bone density injections and all these things just to try and get that L4 to, to heal you know I was in a back brace again for probably six months and what I was doing was getting scans every every month just to see on how it was healing we managed to sort of pretty much get it healed so i came back uh, through the big bash during the summer watched the ashes that obviously the ashes series where mitch johnson dominated you know i watched that from from the sidelines i managed to get back on the south african tour where we um where that that great t- series over there where we beat them 2-1 and, and ryan harris took the, the two wickets to win the game in cape town so sid's actually got dropped to me in that last test match so i'd come on with not much, not a lot of cricket i'd sort of come back nine months since the ashes and, and played in that last test match and i think i ended up bowling 40 overs but you know, pretty much halfway through the game I felt the same injury happening again I could feel it and I, I remember the last day just to, to get through I, I would have taken probably about 10 Voltarens just to get me through and by the end of the game I was like floating I couldn't even like feel my body I just had to do it to get through because I knew exactly what had happened again I, I said to Alex the physio I said I think I've redone my back again here so then you know pretty much at the end of that, that series we finished on a high we won the series we were number one in the world but you know I knew I knew deep down that I was going to miss a chunk of cricket again 
um, after tr- working so hard to get back. So you know, I got home, got the scan, and, and then it was the same thing again. It opened up. So then it was probably the next thing was about changing my action, um, trying to get that better. And we, we did that. We went through probably you know the toughest preseason I've had in terms of we had video of my, my um, action every session, trying to you know replicate what I wanted to do, become more side on. You know, and then it was probably a bit longer that time. It was probably nine months before I bowled again. And then I came back through the big bash, did okay, and then obviously came back into that that series against the West Indies where I came back took Fife but halfway through the game I was bowling crap so I sort of just said well I'm not going to be around here much longer whether I'm injured or, or playing because I'm not going to be picked I just ended up just changing back to what what I knew and just running in to be honest I sort of <laughs> I sort of felt it in, against the SC in, I got through that game got fired for play at the SCG and I sort of thought oh, I know my back's a bit sore here again but to top it off I sort of had a I had a sore ankle as well so I got when I got a scan on that and I had a stress fracture in my fibula at the time so I sort of was able to disguise that that stress fracture in my back so I, I had a couple of weeks off or a month off came back to play played half a shield game we had a tour of New Zealand played half a shield game and they sort of said alright yep now you're right you're on the tour whatever but I was sort of kicking up a bit of a fuss because I was like well I've only played bowled 20 overs how do I know if I'm going to get through through a whole test match so um, they sort of pulled me out Pat Howard was in charge at that time so he's pulled me out of the game and I flown over to New Zealand expecting to play in the first test match and then the day before the game they, they came to me and they, we're, not, we're not picking you because we don't think you've bowled enough <laughs> So I was sort of like, well, you just take you took me out of a game oh. to to play in a test match, but but now I'm not picked because I'm bold enough. So then that that week in the nets, because I remember we played at Wellington, we won the test match. That week in the te- in the in the um in the nets, so I had to get through 40 overs bowling the nets, and by the end of it, I think Sean Marsh wasn't playing and someone else, and and they they were they had enough of me bowling so much that they they just said, no, nah, you can bowl you can bowl to no one now. So I was <laughs> I was there bowling the nets to no one. I'd bowled 40 overs, and I I remember feeling my back again. I'm like, oh no, this is not great. I ended up playing the next game. Because Sid got injured, and it was one of those games where we were going to become number one in the world if, if we had won. So um, I remember pulling on the whites and being a bit sore. My, I still had the stress in my fibula um, at the time. They scanned that, and I was getting actually getting the doc. He was needling my uh, my fibula, so that wasn't very that wasn't very pleasant. I could feel the, the needle going to the bone pretty much every night just to try and get up for this game. So I remember uh, first day play, I got a wicket early, and then I remember nicking um, nicked off. Um, McCullum came out. There was quite a wet wicket. He came out and he, he nicked one too. They, they got it up on the screen and I was probably about two inches over so he's got called back the whole crowd for the rest of the game just absolutely gave it to me um, Brandon McCullum went on to make 180 off about the balls in his last test match and I was just in pieces I knew I had a stress fracture in my back you know I was pretty low at that point so you ended up having surgery in New Zealand didn't you to fix it you went under the knife over there it might have been the same operation was it that Shane Bond ended up having done as well yeah it was so, so after that series was we knew I was gone again uh, for the third time I'd, I'd in my back I had to stress in my fibula and then to top it all off I tore my abs had about a three centimeter tear in my ab on the last day so it was it was one of those one of those games where um, we ended up winning which is good we become number one in the world but again I knew that you know I was going to be out for a prolonged period of time again you know after taking uh, seven wickets for the game you know emotion it was pretty tough to take at that stage it was probably the lowest I've been in terms of of cricket and and life I I, I sort of you know thought that you know my time had come with cricket I, I thought that you know this is pretty much it you know I can't really take much more I had 12 months off again there was talk about me getting surgery but we ended up not going down that route they wanted to see if it could heal one more time so this is the fourth time the, the surgeon actually said to me he's like there's not much really we can do anyway so we don't think it'll fix you maybe try and get it to heal so at this stage I was 26 I made the decision to basically not be available for any test match cricket I wanted to play domestic cricket I came back with Victoria I had a really good back end of the season in 2017 after this happened early 2016 
2014, won the Sheffield Shield, and then I, I managed to go over to England year of county cricket. Did really well. I was probably the best I felt. You know, I thought, okay, I'm back here. You know, I strung a, a period of games together. I think it was probably 12 first-class games and some one-dayers, and you know, I took a heap of wickets. And you know, I thought, the, and the Ashes was coming up in 2017. Um, I'd come back fit, and I was all good. And I thought, you know, I've finally, you know, probably got on top of this all, and I'm feeling really good. And then in the preparation for for the summer. Um, against England you know it just it just opened up again so that was the fourth time the same injury had happened and then I was pretty much like this is it I'm, I've got to retire I can't you know it's obviously not meant to be and that sort of thing so um, I sort of came to that conclusion um, in the meantime Alex Contreras who's a physio and all them were trying to work around some obstacles of, of getting surgery and you know that I think they looked at possibly going to England you know possibly there was a guy in Australia and possibly one in, in New Zealand who'd done Shane Bond so he rang me up one day and what are your opportunities here like what do you what do you think is going to be the outcome I said well I've either got two I've either I'm going to retire you know I've got to try and see if this surgery is going to happen going to work and, and he sort of said to me well we can't show you of anything um, if you want to give it a try at least we can have an outcome and you can and you can know that if it doesn't work then at least you've tried everything at the end of 2017 we decided to go over to New Zealand and, and Alex actually flew over with me and we got surgery um, the surgery was about four hours and when I woke up it was probably the most pain I've ever been in I, I was getting showered by the nurses and spent a week in hospital and I could hardly move and you know it was it was one of those times where I just thought I'm not sure whether I should feel like this. The, the surgeon sort of said you'd be right in three days to get out of bed, and I was in bed for for a week, and then another week in a hotel room over there. So it was just just a time where I just didn't really know exactly what was going to happen. So yeah, it was pretty pretty scary time. I suppose being 26, 27, and knowing. I think the hardest part was knowing that you know if my body was right, I'd be you know playing Test match cricket all the time. It wasn't it wasn't the lack of ability and and the passion and that sort of thing. It was just the fact that my body couldn't hold up, and and that was the hardest thing because you know I knew that you know while all these other players are playing cricket and, and that sort of thing that you know I'd played 21 test matches but you know that well could, could have been 100 test matches if, if my body had held up and you know I have no doubt that it probably would have been close to that you know on the fact that you know my record and when I did play I did really well you know if I wasn't good enough and then so be it but the... and do you find that a little bit hard even now to sort of process how full is your cup I mean will there always be a what if probably a year ago I reckon I was probably you know looking at it that way but I think now that I've probably had time away and known that you know I've played 21 test matches and done really well I've been involved in some great teams and had some some great success over the years that I try and look towards them their moments rather than, than what could have been I've met some great mates out of cricket you know and, I, and after the surgery to be honest I, I probably got another probably 30 or 40 first class games out of myself that I, I, I knew I, I probably wouldn't have if I didn't get the surgery it was just really hard to manage once I sort of had that surgery it just felt like well I did I've got a piece of metal in there but you know I've got a lot of other stuff going on in my back I've got some um, disc problems and all that so it was just the, the amount of work that I had to do in to, to get up for games and stuff it just became hard work you know I'd get to games you know at the time after my surgery for the two years after that game two hours early and I'd stretch for an hour and do yoga and stuff on the middle of the ground and things like that and and then you know I'd be pretty much just taken up my whole life just to try and keep my back feeling good and then obviously once I had kids you know they became more important families become more important so you know it became harder and harder to, to, to give that time to cricket that I had to, to to be able to to stay fit and perform and for me once I sort of started declining performances and stuff it was sort of you know it was a pretty easy decision because I didn't really want to play um, and bowl sort of 130 and just sort of get by I wanted to be that player that I knew I could be and, and be that old who could bowl fast and break break games open and once I couldn't do that it was probably 
a decision that, that was made easier because you know I knew that you know it was out of my hands now that that I couldn't perform at the, the level that I really wanted to. James Pattinson, thanks so much for joining us today, mate. I mean, you were one of the best fast bowlers in the world when you were fit and firing, and there's no doubt you can look back at uh, your career with immense pride, knowing that you gave it all for yourself, your family, your country. Enjoy the good life on the boat, and I do hope you can drift forward and kick a few snags for the Doves next season as well, mate. So well done on everything you achieved, and, and thanks again for sharing it with us. No worries. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you. And thank you for joining us also. You've been listening to This Is Your Journey for Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. You can jump online to find them at tobinbrothers.com.au and we'll catch you the next time we celebrate another great sporting journey.